0: Founderspace, Startup Supercharge. I'm Captain Hawke, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Silicon Valley and the future of Hollywood. So how is technology going to upend hollywood and change everything about the entertainment industry first of all the biggest force shaping hollywood right now is artificial intelligence and this will continue into the future ai is so powerful and literally uh when i wrote my book not too long ago we chat gtp was just barely on the radar Now it is a force to be reckoned with. We're seeing how AI can transform entertainment, writing, imagery, videos. And that's what we're going to go into in this talk. So let's talk about AI, and in particular, generative AI. So what is happening? On one side of the table, we have the big players like Google with Bard, Microsoft that's teamed up with OpenAI. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, all of them are developing AI. All of them have powerful AI that will get much more powerful. And then on the other side of the table, we have the upstarts, open AI with chat GPT. So open AI has sort of captured everybody's imagination and set the bar and everybody else is trying to catch up right now to open AI. But there are also some other players out there that you may not have heard of that are incredibly powerful and innovative. Stable Diffusion is doing imagery and a bunch of other stuff. And if you haven't checked them out, go there. Midjourney is probably the leading provider of of imagery. So if you want to generate images online with AI, go to Midjourney. It's better than Dolly. So it's better than what OpenAI is doing. They really have taken the lead. The imagery coming out of there is absolutely stunning. And it's so easy to create. I mean, literally in in seconds, you can create an image that would have taken an artist weeks uh, to create, even months to create. And then there's Anthropic, another player coming into the space. Uh, they are promising to have a constitution, which is really interesting, so that the AI cannot go rogue, cannot start to do things that dis- that are negative for society. So how do you create a constitution? What is that? Um, will an AI actually follow it? Will it actually work? Those are questions that remain open. And we're in an era right now, the beginning of a huge generative AI era that is really, we don't know the results. We don't know what's coming everybody is experimenting and in real time, literally putting out their stuff in real time, which is absolutely amazing for us because the companies I list here are literally the tip of the iceberg. These are the biggest players. In fact, maybe they're the bottom of the iceberg. The tip, the smaller players out there are, are, there are hundreds of startups leveraging these platforms and creating new platforms that you haven't even heard of yet that are coming to market and are incredibly powerful and really specific. We're gonna talk about some of the things they're doing today and how that's gonna reshape the entertainment industry. So let's talk about AI-created art. I mentioned Stable Diffusion. I mentioned Dolly. I mentioned Mid-Journey. This is an example of the type of art you can literally create by inputting text prompts. What seemed like science fiction several years ago is now a reality. You could create like world-class art based on text prompts so how is this how is how is an ai if you literally type in desert science fiction uh, i don't know giant machine sandstorm able to create art like this well it's able to create art like this by literally sampling millions of pieces of existing art and then using those as a basis to generate new art based on your input so based on very simple text prompts, you can create art and you can do it in any style. You can put in styles of, of famous artists like Picasso or uh, literally Dolly, the, the actual artist, not the tool, You know, Van Gogh, and it will create art in those styles. And you could put in art From Geiger and other artists, you know, and science fiction artists. So, what what you're doing here is you're actually referencing art. The system is referencing art that's already been created, overlaying that style and taking imageries that match the text prompts and and generating something. It's a massive machine learning process. So, these neural networks are literally storing, uh, you know, they can store an infinite amount of art only only contained by the amount of storage they have and processing power they have, and then come up and generate these images. And so what we're seeing is there are two factors that are coming into play here. Number one is data. Data in this case is images. So how much data can you gather? And then also how much processing power do you have at your disposal to create these images? And we know OpenAI, the leader, uh, one of the leaders in the space with its Dolly art program, you know, they're powered by Microsoft. They're also funded by Microsoft. So they're very intertwined with Microsoft and they are leveraging Microsoft's cloud platform. Now, so the players with the big cloud platforms are the ones who have a lot to gain by this movement. So we're seeing Google and Microsoft and Amazon. These guys are kind of the underpinning, the infrastructure to this massive explosion in AI created art. And then we see uh the data who has access to this data well a lot of this data a lot of this imagery is literally being pulled from the web so it's these they're going out there and they're scraping the web getting massive amounts of art data and feeding it into their system the question is copyright like this image is in the style of a specific artist is that artist going to be compensated will that artist who, whose, whose style has been borrowed actually receive royalties for somebody using this in a commercial product or even a non-commercial product? That is the question we are grappling with right now. Now, the government and the courts haven't ruled on this. We don't know like whether royalties will be have to be paid to an artist. How do you prove a piece of art is from somebody's style? Now, in, in the art world, And in copyright law, they have said you can copyright a piece of artwork or a piece of writing, but you cannot copyright a style. Now, why did they do that? Well, you know, styles are very hard things to define. If you write in a certain style, like let's say I write like Hemingway, should I not, should I have to pay Hemingway royalties? Because I write, he's dead, but should I have to pay whoever controls those copyrights royalties? Uh, or should I be free to write in Hemingway style? If I paint a picture myself by uh, in the style of a particular artist, should I have to pay that artist royalties? That uh, the, the courts have said doing traditional art where humans create it, you don't have to pay royalties if you if you paint or write in their style, how only if you actually copy work that they did. However, hey, hi. Is so good at replicating a style that this question is up in the air again, because AI can literally replicate it as if the actual creator wrote or or painted or drew these images. So so we don't know around the globe how this is going to pan out. Now, right now, government hasn't ruled on it you know governments are 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 holding back because they don't want to stifle innovation and we're going to have to see where this takes us it's a very interesting question but this is going to transform it already is transforming the art world the publishing industry movies everything that relies on imagery is being transformed by ai creative generative art now gener ai created generative stories are following a similar path we are seeing stories you can literally go to chat, chat GPT. And I wish they came up with a better name. That is one of, for me, at least being dyslexic, it is one of the hardest names to pronounce. Uh, I I wish they had come up with uh, you know a sexier name than that, but we are stuck with chat GPT, a very uh, a name that only could have been created by an engineer because GPT is a term in, in AI that you don't even want to know what it means. But uh, it's part of the process of generating the art. Now, when you generate, uh, the art, you generate, uh, you can actually generate stories. And I've spent a lot of time because I'm a writer. I've written a bunch of books, as you know, I've even written science fiction. And I've spent a lot of time, uh, working with these, uh, these AI generated story creators. And I will tell you, they are amazing. Like you can say, write me a scene in the ho- lobby of a Victorian hotel in a film noir style, and it will come up with the scene. It'll describe the scene. You could even have it create dialogue. But still, it's unlike the art, unlike the pictures that I, sh- I just showed you, uh, it's n- it doesn't feel complete. There are, it, you need a human in the loop to create a good story. You could create a good scene with these. You can create good snippets of dialogue. So what they really are is they really are a great way to accelerate a writer, to help a writer. Now, if you want to generate a blog post, these uh, AI-generated writing tools will do an amazing job. They can generate a blog post, a complete blog post. You don't even need to edit it. You could literally just post it. Can they generate an essay? Yes, they can generate an essay. Can they generate a short story? A very, very simple, short, short, short story. They can generate, but anything more complicated, no. And they all start to sound the same. When you generate enough of these stories, you start to see the pattern, and they're not really that interesting. So, really, what they are for for on the creative side is they're a tool. The question is, in the future, will one of these AI generated uh, You know, story writing tools, will they be able to generate a complete screenplay? Will they be able to generate an actually interesting, uh, nuanced short story? Will they be able to generate at some point an entire novel filled with characters and everything? The answer is almost certainly yes. And that's, again, it's a bit scary. Like, they're only going to get better. They're only going to figure out structure. If you feed, let me give you an example. If you fed every screenplay in the world to uh, an, you know, an, an AI algorithm and had it churn on it, at some point, it's going to be able to get good enough with massaging uh, from reinforced learning, not just machine learning. It's going to be, get, be able to get good enough so that if you said, write me a romantic comedy, a rom-com, it, it would be able to do it. You know, rom-coms tend to f- are pretty formulaic. Uh, they have a cast of characters. So you, there will be a point in the not too distant future where literally a studio head will say, okay, we want to produce a, a rom-com. And we want this type of character as the lead. We want a dashing character. We want him with long hair. We want him to be a little bit crazy. We want him to have these hobbies. We want him to have this situation, you know, where he's already married to two women, but he falls in love with the true woman of his life. We're going to call it polygamist. And we're going to blah, 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 blah. They're going to lay out all this stuff. And literally the AI is going to be able to write the screenplay. And that will happen. And so what does that mean for the industry? Like, if you think Hollywood movies are already a little bit too formulaic, well, we may be entering a world where they are extremely formulaic. Um, and it won't just be the writing. There'll be other elements too. So let's go into those. AI characters. Literally, you are going to be able, just like you can uh, crank out an essay now and chat GPT, uh, you are going to be able to crank out characters, detailed characters. And what's really interesting, and I've spent a lot of time with these tools, I've spent a lot of time, especially with Mid Journey and Dolly and Stable Diffusion and the the image tools, is that uh, what we're going to see is that the best content won't be created strictly by AI. It will not be created by AI alone in the near term. It will be created by humans and AI working together. We call this human computer symbiosis. So what we're going to see is the creative people of the world are going to be interacting with their computers on a much deeper level. They are going to be interacting with their computers. Literally, uh, that's what they're gonna do. People will turn from animators, from artists, you know, uh, uh, graphic artists, from writers into editors, creative editors. So like if you spend a lot of time with these AI imaging tools, like let's say Midjourney or Dolly creating images like the one you see here on screen, you literally, the process of creating an image isn't anymore moving pixels around, using filters, doing stuff. That process of creating an amazing image like you see right here is literally the process of you coming up with prompts, modifying the prompts, and iterating over and over and over again. We call this prompt engineering. What can you input to get a certain output? It is a really stimulating process. It is actually quite addicting, quite fun. I found myself unable to stop literally for hours on end trying to create the perfect image because you have this image in your head or this idea in your head and then you start to see variations on it on screen. Now, what we're gonna see and what's happening right now in the world is we're gonna see tools like Adobe's whole suite of tools, these graphic tools merging with uh, this prompt generation, this prompt engineering, and this is where it explodes. So you're gonna have these tools that will allow you to edit in more specific ways, merged with the generative parts. So you can start to say regenerate just the eyes and do it in very specific ways. This is where this is headed. I talk about that now because when you are creating characters, when you are creating your next novel or your next screenplay, you are gonna be using Uh, the tools in a similar way. So you will have a host of writing tools. It won't just be generative writing. It'll be a host of tools that help you create the structure, help you create outlines, help you uh, do research. Let's say you're writing a book and you want to research, help you pull from famous characters, let's say throughout history. So like Anna Karenia, you say, I want a character like Anna Karenia, but I want her a little different. And you're going to iterate on these in the same manner that you would now iterate when you do uh when you're creating the visual ones so the visual ones are a great place if you want to learn about ai and how it functions in human computer symbiosis go to the visual tools like midjourney and just start playing with them you'll see that that mechanism for playing with these tools is going to be replicated uh, when you're playing with other tools that allow you to create characters that allow you to create stories that allow you to create videos this format is is we're just discovering it. it's a new language it's a new way of creating these tools are going to radically change how creators create content in Hollywood in the world like so when we are creating content and it doesn't matter actually if it's entertainment or you know you're writing a business book whatever it is you're going to be doing this new process for creating that is a process of discovery a process of being delighted by the AI and then manipulating the AI and and the artist is going to come up with something that they never would have created on their own, that is different than they would have created if they had to do it through traditional means. And it's different than an AI would have created on its own. It's a whole new way of creating art. Let's go to the next slide. AI created music. So in the same way that we can create characters, stories, blog posts, imagery, we are seeing a revolution in how music is created. There are a host of applications out there now that literally allow you to create music along with AI. So again, it's you collaborating with AI in an iterative fashion. And you can go out and try these, just search for AI music. You'll see dozens and dozens of different applications out there for you to create music. And what I wanna tell you is that the, it's really fun. And musicians are going to be relying more and more on AI to compose music. I will argue that you know most musicians in the future, successful musicians will, cre- will use AI. Why? Because they'll create stuff that they could have never created on their own. They'll create stuff that is better than they could have created on their own. And they'll create it much faster than they could have created it on their own. We just, which are the big advantages of AI. Um, and again, this music is sampling from from a lot from millions of songs out there. So, who gets the credit for the music? How can you prove if you say if it's sampling from millions of different artists and combining it in new ways with the talent of an existing musician, who gets the credit? And what is this music? So we're going to have music that's created entirely by AI. We can do that right now. Music is very simple, just like text. It could be created entirely by AI. Um, in random fashions, or it can be created by AI and humans working together. I would argue that the, the latter creates better music, but we're going to be able to create not just music, but voices. So we can already do this. The voices are getting better and better and better. And at a certain point, which we're very close to right now, these voices will be indistinguishable from human voices. So you will have an AI singer That Literally, you can say, sing like Elvis Presley, sing like Madonna, sing like whoever you want. You know, Britney Spears, it doesn't matter. And they will be able to replicate that person uh, perfectly. If an AI replicates that perfectly, again, who gets the royalties? You know, if you're going to ask Britney Spears, you know, can I replicate your voice? Do a a song that sounds just like you in your style? She's going to argue in the courts. I should get paid. And if she wins that case, it won't just apply to music, it will apply, you know, if it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, it's going to apply to everything, imagery, you know text, it's going to be a morass, like because for music. Most people could say yeah, that's, that's Britney Spears voice, I recognize her voice, that's her voice, they're copying her. When you come to writing styles. Much harder, you know, much grayer area. When you come to images, some you'll will be very clear cut, others won't. How do we adjudicate these? How are they going to go through the court system? What does that mean for Hollywood and all the creative people? What are we going to do? Like, are we going to rely? What we're I'll tell you what we're going to actually do. We're actually going to have to dig into these algorithms, these AI algorithms, and actually sort out what they're referencing. So they are the, the royalties are going to be allocated by what they are referencing. So the AI companies, whether it's OpenAI with ChatGPT, GPT, whether it's Google, whether it's Amazon, whoever it is, they are going, and we're already seeing this in Bing. Like if you go to Bing and you ask it to generate an article for you, it'll actually, it can actually show you the links of the articles uh, that it's referencing. So this data is there. So what we're going to do is the courts are going to have come back and say, if you're referencing certain data that is copyrighted, the copyright owner is entitled to a certain royalty that will all have to be figured out on the platform level and divvied up. And this is how it's going to work. So uh, right now, it's the Wild West. Nobody's getting paid. There are no royalties. These things are probably just appearing in court and are going to be worked through. But in a very short time, it's all going to be systematized and everything in in the royalties, uh, you know, in the future, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it will happen and the royalties will be paid. So if you're an artist and you've created something unique, you will be entitled to the royalties of the derivatives of that art, which are uh, generated by AI and humans in a combination. It's gonna be very interesting and people might uh, put filters on and say, you know, I only want uh, to uh, go uh, license uh, music, Uh, that is in the public domain. Or I only want to uh, use imagery uh, for the basis of my art that is in the public domain. So like Van Gogh, like in the public domain, you can sample all his artwork. Picasso, you can sample all his artwork, anything in the public domain, same with storytelling. And therefore you won't have to pay any royalties, but if you do use AI based on specific artists that are copyrighted, you'll have to pay them. And it will be on a global scale. So we require a massive system, and these systems will have to be built out. It'll be a while before they are, but we've already seen it with YouTube. You know, they've dealt with it in the video space and and user-generated content where people are borrowing music and everything else. People can pull it down and stuff like that. They're talking about uh, doing AI watermarking. So OpenAI has said, we're going to try to figure out how to watermark so you can actually recognize AI-generated text, AI-generated imagery, AI-generated music. I think that's very hard, especially with text. Like, how do you watermark it? Like, it's really, really hard. You may be able to embed things into music that you don't hear, non-audible things that can be wat- used for watermarking, imagery. You may be able to embed pixels that aren't seen that create watermarks. Uh, for music, uh, for text, much, much harder text is probably going to be the most challenging. So, we're, but we're going to see it's it's going to be really, really interesting. The, th- the thing that you have to know is this is here to stay, and that much of the music you will be listening to in the future will be AI generated, even the voices, the singers may be AI generated, and it's going to be almost if not absolutely indistinguishable from human generated. We're ju- it's just a fact. You just won't know. It's that, that good. Now we get into the next element of AI creativity and Hollywood and all this stuff. And that's actual spaces, like creating spaces. And I'm not just talking about an image of a space, which you can do right now. They have interior design programs out there with gen- AI generative art, where you can literally describe, okay, I'm designing a hotel lobby and i want it in this style and you and you start to talk about the style and boom the hotel lobby is there that style no i want to change it to another style you could do that with your kitchen you could do that with a living room it's absolutely marvelous right so you can see your home in all these different styles with just entering text prompts Uh, and it's crazy um so what are we going to see uh in the future so in the future we are going to see um, uh, literally, three D spaces created in real time through uh, generative prompts. Like you can literally talk to an AI and create a three D space that you can navigate through, which which is which will be you know. It seems like. It seems crazy, but this technology is already here. Google's experimenting with it. There are a number of other players that are experimenting with it. There's some crude ones on the market now. So you can actually generate a 3D virtual space literally by just typing in prompts or talking to it, or just by interacting with it and moving through it, it can generate it on the fly. And we've seen this for a while in games and virtual worlds, like they have been able to create... Uh, virtual worlds that are ever expanding, created by algorithms, but it's the quality is getting so much higher. The quality is going to get photorealistic and that's where it's going to change Hollywood. It's going to change the game industry. It's it's already changing the game industry. It's going to change the movie industry. We're going to be creating these spaces that literally can expand and change based on human interaction at, you know, it, it, as you use them in real time. So how do what? So what does this mean? Well, AIs are getting better and better and better at not just creating these amazing graphics, this amazing writing, this amazing music, but they're also getting better at predicting human behavior. You know, Facebook can literally predict what you what uh, what you will post next. They can literally predict what. Uh, ads you will click on. They can predict what articles you'll read, and they can do it with s- much more accuracy than you can do yourself. Like Facebook ran a test and asked you, uh, uh, "Do you think you can uh, predict what your what uh, articles you're going to read next, or we can predict it better than you can?" And they found out that their AI could do a better job than you. Well, what does this mean for movies, entertainment, music, all this stuff? Well, what it means is that AIs are already being used to predict what's gonna be a hit in the box office. What will people watch? They have companies like Synalytics and Scriptbook and other companies out there now that are literally gathering massive amounts of data on what people go and watch. Netflix is doing the same thing inside Netflix. And they are literally telling studios, these are the movies you should be creating. These are the movies that are, are likely to be big hits in the box office, and they can tell before a movie re- released, they can even produce, uh, predict the gross revenue that it's going to make in its first week, and they're getting better and better and better at this. The danger is this, and we see it with Netflix already, it's going to just feed you more of what you already like. Now, why is that dangerous? Well, it's, it's really disturbing because people are going to be getting in these grooves. And I find myself like on Netflix where it's just literally feeding me more, uh, uh, more recommendations for content of what I've already watched. And that's narrowing and narrowing and narrowing what I consume. So yes, I'm happy. It's like giving me what I love, but it's like somebody who only rom- reads romantic novels. They never read any other type of novel. You know, they are not being challenged to like in the old days, like when a movie came out and was a hit and it was outside your favorite genre. Like, let's say you aren't really into uh Victorian, uh, romances or you aren't into spy thrillers or you aren't into science fiction and then a block blockbuster science fiction comes out and you're like ah everybody's talking about the science fiction movie i don't usually go see science fiction movies i'm not like into them but i'll go i'll go watch this movie because everybody's talking about it and boom it blows your mind and you all of a sudden wow i actually do like science fiction it expanded my horizons this is actually amazing mm-hmm. that uh that won't be happening as much because these algorithms are going to be feeding people more and more of the similar movies. So you like superhero movies, it's going to give you more and more and more superhero movies. And that's, and, and, and to me, that's a shame it because not just genres, but many of the greatest innovators in the space tend to be people who are doing stuff that's totally creative, creative, and way out there, like experimental, Like, so you're talking about some of the greatest movie directors that ever existed, like Fellini and Godard and Truffaut and, you know, you know, uh, Coppola and uh, you name them, these people are really pushing the limits of cinema, they're going to be weeded out. Because these, these, these analytic engines are going to be like, oh, not enough people watch those. Or this is something that's off our radar. We don't think it will be successful. It's too big a risk. We're not going to produce it. So if you think Hollywood is bad today or the publishing industry is bad today by filtering out anything that won't make a lot of money, it's going to be worse in the future. And this is one of the grave dangers that we have to watch out for. This is where it will curb humanity it will like accelerate us, but it will also start to limit what we see, how we watch it, you know, what new stuff is produced, because these films are expensive. They're expensive to produce. You're just not going to see the variety. You're not going to be challenged to watch it. You're not even going to get it in your distribution feeds, and that is a danger. AI analyzes personality from eye movements. Now, AI people don't even know this, but AI has gotten good enough so that how you move your eye, literally, like how you move your eyes, it can tell what type of personality you have. It could tell if you are, you know, an obsessive personality. It could tell if you're neurotic. It could tell if you're relaxed. It could tell if you're easygoing. It could tell if you're, you know, kind of a dreamy personality. It can tell all these things just from how you move your eyes. So you can imagine an AI through your camera that is watching you and seeing your facial expressions, the micro expressions on your face, hearing your tone of voice, all this data it's gathering can start to know you better and better and better. And, and, you know, we're gonna see AI in the future that gathers all this biofeedback, your heart rate, you know, you're wearing an iWatch, you know, or a smartwatch. It's gathering all this, this uh, biometric data on you. This is gonna, this can be used, this data could be used to actually uh, determine how you respond to content. So if you are watching a film online, uh, your eye watch could be monitoring you and seeing how you respond. Does it get your heart beat up? Does it, you know, are, are there other uh, physical changes in your body that are that this this algorithm can interpret to understand what parts of the movie you were responding to? If it's a romantic movie, what's getting what's getting you stimulated? If it's a horror film, you know, does your heart start pounding at certain? spaces. This data is going to be incredibly powerful because this data is going to create a feedback loop. And then they're going to start to change the content based on your feedback. They're going to start to use this data to to actually, with the algorithm, determine how new content is created. So how a movie is created, you know, what, what movie producers want to do is keep you, they don't want you to be bored they want you to be engaged throughout the content. So it, they're gonna be measuring people's responses and literally going back in real time and editing movies so that you have a better experience, literally tweaking movies and you get into the future um, with this real time movie generation. Literally right now we create a movie in advance, right? Everything is done, It's you know everybody gets the same movie. In the future, because generative AI will be so powerful, our platforms will be so powerful, they can literally change the movie as you're watching it and they can suit the movie to you. So if you are really uh, loving a certain character, they're gonna bring that character up more often. If you like the action scenes where that character is out there, you know, jumping over canyons, you know, firing their machine guns, doing all this action, they're gonna have more and more of those action pieces in the movie if you're bored by the love scenes they're going to reduce the love scenes if you if the love scenes are something that you really love they're going to expand the love scenes we're going to see movie creation created as you watch it, it will be an interactive experience, even though it's passive. So there's a big difference between movies and games. Games are active. You're, you're making decisions, right? You're actively making decisions in the game. Games are gonna change too. Games are gonna change in the exact same way I'm telling you. Movies, they're gonna be games are gonna be changing in real time. They already do to a certain extent. Like games will respond to you in real time, but it will be much more fluid. But in movies, which are considered a passive. Uh entertainment, there's they're, they're going to be much more active. They're going to be responding to you without you even knowing it because you are going to be giving them data. And the more data you give them, the more they can adjust to your particular taste. If it's a horror movie and you don't like extreme blood and violence, they're going to tone it down. If it's if you're the type of person who really gets excited by extreme blood and violence and you love it, they're going to crank it up. And uh, there are already companies out there, like Red Meat Games, that have been experimenting with this in games. Like they create a, a horror game, and they will crank it up and down depending on how you react to get to get it to the point where it provides you the maximum stimulation without going over the edge so that it turns you off. Now, uh, as soon as we start to hook up brain data, which is the next step, it won't just be. Uh, what your iWatch can give you, but there'll be brain computer interfaces that you can wear that are available commercially right now. You know, Muse is one of the biggest makers of these. You can buy them on Amazon. They measure your brain waves. They're pretty crude now, but they can actually give meaningful feedback of whether you're engaged, whether your brain is stimulated, whether you're bored. And these will only get exponentially better and more powerful. And as these get more powerful, these devices you wear on your brain, literally there will be two-way communication between your brain and the content being created. And the content will be changing in real time. It will be very similar to the experience that you have in a dream. When you are dreaming You are literally changing that dream based on your thoughts. So, you know, I've been, I've done lucid dreaming. I don't know if you can do lucid dreaming, but it's a wonderful experience. In lucid dreaming, you can literally change the dream just by thinking. And in all of our dreams, we're literally changing the dream as we think, like associatively changing the dream. We just don't know it, we're not consciously aware of it. We will be experiencing the same thing when we enter entertainment, whether it's a virtual world, whether it's a game, whether it's a uh, movie that we're watching, even a novel that we're reading. The novel will be rewritten as we read it to give us more of what we want, whether it's pictures that we're seeing, whether it's augmented reality. All of this will be changing much like a dream does as we experience it. So we will have what I call, and I don't know if anybody's used this term before, but generative experiences, experiences that are generated by AI interactively with us by all the methods I've shown you in real time. It's going to be literally mind blowing, (laughs) like mind blowing, like we are entering the matrix. We are entering another world. And I tell you, this is going to be a big part of where human consciousness is going. Human experience will be integrally tied to machines, um, to uh, to how we interact with artificial intelligence and each other. And it is both fascinating. It'll open up whole new vistas, and it is scary. And but this is where we're headed as humanity. We have to think this out. We have to think out the repercussions, because. Our world, not just Hollywood, is changing. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.